Hey guys, what's up? It's Kyle. I just wanted to hop on here real quick and say thank you to everyone who supported the show and for being a guest on the show these last couple of weeks. It has been, without a doubt, the most trying time in um, our industry's history. And I know a lot of you are struggling right now. And just know that there are a lot of uh, people, including myself, who are behind you and who have you in our thoughts and just wanted to make, uh, make it known that I'm available for, for whatever need you may potentially uh, need, whether it's just some insight, if you just want to talk, if you just want to blow off some steam and just let it all out, uh, please feel free to text me at 631-965-1300 and we can set up a time to talk. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to continue to have guests on that are offering a variety of perspectives uh, from across the country and uh, hopefully you'll find it either as an escape or as some sort of resource to help you cope with what's going on. Um, if you'd like to be on the show, if you would like to have a certain question answered again, please text me. Uh, I'm here for you guys. And, um, I think the way we get through this is, uh, by hanging together. So, um, stay strong, uh, keep your head up and above all, stay safe. Enjoy the show guys. Hey guys, my name is Kyle and Sarah, and I'm what most people describe as a restaurant guy. I have one purpose in this podcast and on all my social media platforms, and that is to do my part by sharing my experience and what I've learned in helping to reduce the failure rate of restaurants in this country. Look, I didn't do everything perfect. I don't have all the answers, but what I can share with you is my experience, what I did right, what I did wrong, and what I would do exactly the same. I'm also going to have guests on who are going to tell their story and help share some of their insight so that you restaurant owners and operators can learn from other people in the country, realize that you're not alone. A lot of these issues we all have had, we've all experienced, and collectively we can do our part to help make sure that restaurants continue to thrive in our communities and continue to be sources of uh, employment, places of gathering, and whatever comes in the future, we're all going to do it together. So this is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, Chris, thanks for joining me on the podcast. I know this is um, probably not the circumstances we were, knew we were going to be, well, we definitely didn't know we'd be walking into. So I appreciate you making time uh, today. Yeah, no, man, I appreciate you making time and, and uh, inviting me on. And, and it's good to connect with you. You know, it's weird times we're in, but I think those of us that, you know, connect and keep things going are going to really come out of this much better and, and brighter people. That's a great point. And I, I you know, we were just saying jokingly that we're like mirror images of each other here. You grew up in the restaurant business. Am I right? Yeah. So I, I grew up in and around it. So single mom, waitress, uh, you know, supporting her kid, uh, uncle GM of a Mexican restaurant, uh, family he married into owns those. So I grew up fully in and around it. Uh, bus boy at 14 worked for this uh, guy that people really didn't know of back in the day called Sam Fox. Uh, opened his first Scottsdale restaurant yeah. as a bar manager. Um, mentor kicked in, taught me how to raise money, do things, and turned out by the age of 29, I owned my uh, first of two restaurants. So, wow. So, how did you get out? 
So that's, the, I, that's always the question by people who are still in the industry. Yeah, it was, it was a tough one actually. So um, at the age of 37, I had a very successful 10,000 square foot, 2,000 square foot patio, second story restaurant and a lifestyle mall. Um, we were close to ASU and we had a, an incident occur with a fraternity that basically turned into a pretty bad PR spin for us. Right. Um, we weren't accountable for anything that we did because we did nothing wrong. But the media, on the other hand, took a different twist to the story. And unfortunately, there was zero damage control we could do that took us from, you know, being a $6 million a year place to $3 million and we're going to lose five hundred grand a year. Uh, kind of like that. Um, and, and what year was that? This was 2013. Okay. And uh, I had a consulting business on the side um, because I had a great operating partner that ran day to day. And then I was like the chef, creative, you know, visionary. People called me CEO. I'm like, I'm not CEO. I have one restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the creative guy behind the restaurant. And so what I did was I shared those talents with other people. And one of them was um, site selection and negotiation. And uh, I had a guy approach me. Uh, one was a developer and friend, and another was a broker friend. And they were like, hey, man, we know the rug just got pulled out from under you. Your restaurant's closed. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? And I was like, man, I, I don't know. And they were like, you should be a broker. And you should focus on restaurants. And that's right when the restaurant economy was turning to restaurants and entertainment taking over retail. Very and cool. So they said, you consulted for people and did this, and you were good at finding them sites, but you used a broker. Why don't you be the broker? And that's how I got out. And I've been doing this now seven years. So. Wow. So that's a, that's a, I mean, unfortunate story. I mean, it just goes to show how shaky the restaurant business can be. Some, there's so many different things to stay on top of. Oh, yeah. There's one little incident. And, you know, when you're starting out, people are like, you know, make sure this is buttoned up, your insurance or all this stuff. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to be open. Let's just get it open until something happens. And they even tell you that. And you're still like, let's just get it open and do it. So were you guys prepared for this? Or was just, there was just nothing you could do. There was not an insurance policy. There wasn't a, there was no, it was just there was, a PR there, situation. There was a hundred percent nothing we could have done. Um, yeah. Every, like the, the liquor board, the police from the city, the, the governor's office, everyone that was involved oh boy. on an administrative level were like, you did everything a hundred percent by the books. They're like the PR spin from the media. They're like, wherever that fraternity went, wherever that kid went that night, this was going to happen. Uh, and it's because we, we don't control what people do before they arrive. Right. You no. Know? Yeah. Especially college. Right. I mean, that's a tricky. Well, well and the, the, the media withheld, there was an autopsy and the media withheld that there were five drugs present in the guy's right. system. We, we don't control that. So yeah. at the end of the day, it was a, a hard life lesson to learn that you could do everything right. You could check all the boxes, but one, you know, liquor liability incident goes the wrong way and, and, and your, your entire livelihood, you know, myself, two investors and a hundred employees lost our life. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear you. I mean, so I was, I mean, just to tell you my story, I was, um, same thing. I've started, you know, 14 years old. Um, two of my buddies were working in a restaurant and all of a sudden they had like money to buy stuff. I'm like, what's going on here? They're like, oh, we work at this new brewery. And it's like literally like the first microbrewery restaurant that I'd ever seen. This was, I don't even know what year it was, 93, 1992, 1993. And I was like, I want to do what you're doing. And they're like, okay, well, let's go over here. We can introduce you. And they did. And I fell in love with it then. 
And I did everything working my way up to uh, like serving, like on the lunch shift, you know, getting whatever I could get. And then I went to college and did what I thought was the right thing. And I worked uh, on Wall Street. And then the last previous uh, disaster we had around here was 9-11. And after that, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I went to culinary school. And uh, long story short, we opened up two restaurants here in Westchester after kicking it around the globe for a while and in the city and um, had a falling out with my partners and they fired me. Oh, yeah. It was, um, but in that process, um, I sort of like you was heading site selection, negotiation, and I met up with Jessica Curtis. I don't know if you've ever worked with her. Um, we've, we've talked on the phone. We were going to meet at ICSC. Uh, we have a lot of friends in common. She works with, you know, Postino and groups yeah. that are friends of mine from here. So we, apparently no ICSC connection, but she, yeah, she sounds great, man. Yeah. So I've, I got hooked up with her um, and I was part of her team up until uh, yesterday. Uh, oh, yeah. So nice. I've left her. I left her. I'm uh, going to be taking another opportunity, but I learned so much from her and I'm very grateful to have like, fallen into that position after coming out of the restaurant because it's not easy for a lot of guys after that no no it's it's tough man for us to reinvent ourselves and and come out the other side i mean you know me as a 37 year old guy at the time uh i was just like wow you know what my first year of brokerage was like what do what do i do get my footing yeah and i was uh, blessed enough to knock out two of the most popular chefs here that were like james beard nominees Oh, nice. Colleagues, and they were like, I'm going to give you a shot. I've been using so-and-so. I'm going to let you do your thing. And I landed two really high-profile deals. And after that, it was like all these people that were my competitors, uh, you know, I, I was never the restaurateur that burnt the bridge. I always built the bridge. And That's great. The phones lit up, and I haven't looked back. And I, I headed a team at a big firm, not a CBRE size, but – a big firm here in Arizona that's kind of the you know 800 pound gorilla in the retail world, and I was yeah. the head of a restaurant team. Oh. And then in uh, uh, September of last year, I jumped to a small boutique firm to become a partner. Oh, and, there you go. And you know myself, my partner, and then we just added another partner. Um, we're kind of the go-to guys regionally: uh, Arizona, Colorado, California, Nevada. Uh, New Mexico. We're kind of the regional guys to go to for restaurant entertainment. So nice. So we love it. That I mean, it, I mean, it's interesting to be, and, and I can relate. Obviously, I, it's interesting to be on the other side now, right? And you can, I think, my question is, and, and this has always been my position. I'm wondering if you think the same way. Is you can lead with your experience, right? Like, hey, like I was you. I know, like maybe you know you can't make time for me, or maybe I can only talk to you on Mondays, or I, like I get. I get the lifestyle. Do you find that that experience has played into helping you develop your business? I would tell you that's a hundred percent a factor. Um, and it's also led to 80% of my success, uh, you know, in both letting them know I understand them, uh, building that trust and rapport is uh, crucial in a relationship, right? And a lot of times, you know, I can just walk in the room and when I meet somebody the first time, another chef or restaurateur has already told them, hey, this is your person. Uh, and then I walk in the room and I tell them what I've been through, you know, yeah. and they immediately go from that defensive stance of somebody coming in for business to yeah. like, oh man, you get me. And just yeah. like how when we started our conversations, like we get each other. And yeah. so there's like years of, 
kind of relationship building that almost compress into like a one minute, you know? And oh, yeah. that has been crucial to everything of developing this business that I'm in. And I, you know, restaurants are so, you know, one of the big things with, with CB and stuff is always like, they were like very buttoned up and you wanted to be like in suits and stuff, except for us, because it's like, you cannot walk into a restaurant in a suit with any kind of piece of paper in your hands, <laughs> good or not the owner's going to go running out the back door or you're going to hide from you at the very least. So I just having that bit of knowledge, I think is key. Yeah. Well, so my, my first two years uh, in the business, the broker that talked me in was with the big global firm that will leave the name out. Uh, And I had to be in button up suit and tie everything. And then when I would leave to go do meetings, I'd like fly off the tie and make myself at least like untuck the shirt, button a couple buttons down, flare, do what I could do. Right. That's funny. Uh, and then the second firm that picked me up, well, I'm a vice president now and I have a team of five again, you know, very GQ, like, let's, like, let's do this. And then I slowly just kind of worked it into the office's culture that the, basically my team was restaurants and then high street leasing. Yeah. I worked it in to the team to where we would just start showing up dressing like how we dress and being who we are. Yeah. And that culture, it was pretty funny. 22 some odd brokers when I left there and the six of us, you know, are off in our section of cubes and we're, we're dressed like how we dress. Yeah. And like there's days where I didn't want to do my hair. I got good yeah. hair. I didn't want to do it. So <laughs> I throw on the cap and, you know, it, yeah. it never got on because we got it done because restaurateurs they they want you to you know be on that page right they they want they don't want the guy in the suit they think you're a lawyer coming up right yeah and and that's exactly and that's and that's and you know that's interesting particularly now i think right i think now i'm going to be joining a firm that's more like that and it's it's a better fit for me and i think it's a better fit for the client and it's um in light of what's happening in the country to restaurants and just in the world and people who are communicating that way more like-minded with their clients and being there for them in a time now they're going to stand out you know this is more important now than ever oh 100 percent. and and i I can tell you like you know you asked about you know understanding like coming to see them on mondays only um or you know if mondays are only day off i'm gonna be there uh you know 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. I called it, you know, the golden hour, that two to yeah, four, yeah. happy hour, I'm not going on. I just know when to do that. And then I'm never the one to be like, I've got this big fancy office with this big fancy boardroom. I'm going to get my ass in the car and I'm going to go see you at your place. Yeah. Um, and then if you're, if your place, you know, as an owner, you know, I always get tapped like, oh, hey, something just happened. And it pulls yeah. you away from the meeting. Well, being an owner that knew I would have to get away from that, I also would learn like, what's the coolest place next to them? that we could go to and have a coffee or a beer because a lot of those guys have a beer and you'd go, you go have a coffee, you go have a beer and get them out of their spot for, so that's so crucial to know. And then now, like you said, it's like, you know, just be who you are. And I mean, that's, I I don't, I'm not a pitcher, like, you know, a polished pitch. I've gone to so many meetings with the deck that, you know, my uh, former CEO wanted and uh, we never opened it. <laughs> we just talk like you and I are talking right now. And then I yeah. just leave it with them. And I'd be like, that's there for you if you want to look through it. Yeah. Because if you lead, like, if you lead with, these re- with these restaurant guys, if you lead with like the demographic data and like the three mile radius and all the, like, the, the traffic counts, they're just like, oh, forget it. 
They're, uh-huh. they'll, they'll tell you like, I got my eye on a place in this town. What do you know about that? And I think yeah. once that happens, you're kind of like, oh, you know, you can't. Yeah. That, and that's, that's part of the thing. I, I think coming out of this is like I was saying before, when you can relate to them on a one-on-one level and say, that's over there if you want to, you know, take a look at it. But operationally, what are you looking for? They might be like, well, we don't have enough parking or, you know, our bar is not big enough or mm-hmm. our staff can't get here easily. So we're looking in these areas. I think that's, yes. that's, it cuts the time in half, which I think is a big saver for those guys. Like, hey, I'm going to save you time which means I'm saving you money kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be more important than ever. And, and I think that can't be understated. Yeah. And then I think of the other big part that comes in is guys like you and I have felt the pain of being an owner, right? And when you feel those pains, you have more cautions than a traditional broker is going to have. You, you're yeah. not, like, I don't even like the term broker, actually. Like I call myself strategic growth partner or yeah. your buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> But uh, I've walked away and had my, my people walk away from deals where maybe they were super jazzed about a location because a landlord reached out and was like, I want to throw a bajillion bucks in TI at you and this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And then I come down from the top and I go, well, I mean, the reason they're doing that is you can't make a left turn in there at happy hour. So you're not going to have any happy hour. And that's why the dude before you couldn't make it. Yeah. And, you know, I, look, I look at those things that only we would look at because we were an owner. Yeah. And, I get that that honeymoon gloss off of their eyes. Yeah. And so I was in your shoes and I got all courted and romance like the coolest kid at the prom. Yeah. Here's why I can make a bunch of money putting you here, but this one stinks and we shouldn't do it. Yeah. And yeah, right, exactly. You know. And how much of that is like how much time do you spend now analyzing your market for spaces like that? Or I mean now now that I know you're a partner, you're not maybe not out as much, but what is the process of going out there? I mean, even in this environment, I think that's going to be more important than ever is the canvassing of sites and the, the conversations with landlords. How are you managing that aspect of business? I mean, even leading up to now, but how do you see it going forward? So it's kind of twofold. So, so in my local brokerage, um, obviously I have intimate market knowledge. Um, as a partner at this firm though, I don't run any day to day or do anything of that nature. Um, I, I honestly spend more time now on client services than I ever had. And I really don't spend a lot of time in an office. Mm-hmm. I spend most of my time in the car. So yeah. I'm, I'm always out driving areas and seeing what's going on and right. feeling that out. And then on the second tier of it, uh, working the master brokerage angle, um, I find um, not necessarily when I'm, I'm looking in another market, the one that everyone like points to like, Hey, that's, that's who you need to use for this. Instead, what I do is I find these people that I know are going to be out actually driving and sourcing the sites and not just firing me off brochures, you know? Uh, yeah. And then they know like, Hey, this neighborhood's got a great happy hour and really good with the millennial crowd that have money because they're working, you know, at, at, at the stock brokerage or the tech company and right. you know there's there's all the little insider things that that i would do myself that i find for my partners in other markets so i don't want the person that's going to be like the research team found this right <laughs> i know that's cool that's <laughs> i'm trying to figure out how this works but you know i think that it that that's that's yeah i mean that's where that's the level that you're at but i mean the, the fact that you're still driving your market is major right because i think that's to me so many people even now, and I believe heavily in the social stuff and going out and, and um, making yourself known and doing podcasts and things like this, but nothing beats being out. 
on the street. No, you can, you're always going to find out what the deal is more when you can see, no, I was in that strip center. It's not as busy at lunch or that space looks like it's going to be available. Like that's still, I think one of the few things that, uh, that should stay in regards to the process of commercial real estate is that canvassing. Yeah. So I've got a lot of groups that I work with that are based in California and Colorado. And so I'm handling their, you know, regional representation, but as they're breaking into places like Arizona, um, some of these sites, uh, they'll get, you know, like, Oh, Maesterich knows me. So Maesterich sent me da da da. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, well, I, I went to project X and I went at lunch, I went at happy hour and I went at dinner and here's what I saw. And this one is, this one's a home run. And this other one that's part of the twofer, you're not going there. Yeah. And so the twofer is not twofer. Like we can't put you there. Well, they showed me sales from stores X, Y. Well, they got X, Y. And then I went and got, you know, Z and W. And yeah. <laughs> X and Y are making what they're making because of their position. Uh, the position that you would get is not going to work. You right. know, and here's why. Because nobody's walking over there. Yeah, right. So, and, and so much really that's important. I mean, like for you, like you were saying that you live in Phoenix, but you handle like uh, you're in uh, other markets as well. Yeah. It's so important to get that information, like, because you might not know how that about a particular center. So do you work with a lot of, I'm sure you do a lot of local brokerage stuff. Like you reach out to local yeah. brokers in that market because yeah. Um, yeah. it's so important to know that. Like I, I was just with a guy in Connecticut, brand new, beautiful, pristine shopping center, and they want to put him on the end cap. And he was like, this, this is like, this is it. He was like, this is the one, right? We got to take this one. I'm like, this traffic here, you, there's no cars coming from the other side. And they, they, all these ones going the other way. And it was this big, like, city legislation that was, can they cut through the curb? And how long is it going to take? It's so important to know those details as a restaurant. I mean, as a retailer, but as a restaurant, I think I'm a particular soft spot for that. Oh, yeah, big time. And, and you know, when I'm working in these other markets, too, I make sure um, – basically from like my Utah deals, Texas deals, all of them, I, I go and I spend time there too. So, um, you know, I'm fortunate. Uh, I, uh, with my lifestyle, never had children. I wanted them when I was younger, but now in my forties, I'm like, I don't know. Right. But since I don't have a time constraint, um, I actually am the, the guy on the plane. Like I'm on the plane a lot, you know, right. and, and I'll go to these cities and I'll get kind of some on the ground knowledge from my local broker, but then I'll go and hang out and spend two, three days in these markets. And then you do that enough, you get to know the market too. And so like my, my Denver guys that I met were met to be like, Hey, can I help you in Phoenix? And then some of those relationships turned into, well, Hey, uh, not only are you doing Phoenix, you're, you're taking over the role for my guy in Denver. You've yeah. got Utah now, you got Texas. And it's just because they know I'm going to, put the time in and like right. figure it out. Yeah. I just, I truly love it. I love this man. I love deals and finding sites that are great. It's, it's my passion. Yeah. So where do you, what do you think makes a great restaurant site other than the, the traditional stuff now? I mean, in the building of these new center, what do you look for, um, for, for your clients? I don't know if you can speak to any specifics, but if you have any specifics, that would be great. So it's actually pretty hard to nail that down because I work with such a diverse range. I work with entrepreneurial, opportunistic, uh, kind of hip 
local restaurants in different markets and what they want different from say the uh, growth brand QSRs that I'm working with that have a private equity firm backing them mm-hmm. to I have like a strictly a chef driven thing and those things are like those guys or the breweries I work with those guys we could go find a piece of real estate that no one would ever touch but if the building's cool and it's got adequate parking we become a destination so there's right. just so much, many factors and so I honestly have to weigh it on who it is I'm working with and so that's a big thing for me is more like not what makes the perfect shopping center for a tenant but for that tenant so like it's really getting to know their DNA so like I do a a whole like sit down questionnaire interview when we first start working to really figure out what drives their current locations Mm -hmm. and then I kind of come back and say well, this type of stuff is perfect for you and this type of stuff is not, and this is what we should target. Yeah. Now, do you utilize a lot of this technology that's out there or do you rely pretty much on, on your intuition, your experience and, and you know, the, the knowledge you have of the brand? Okay. So it's a 50, 50 now. Um, I'm using tech. I'm using cell data. Uh, yeah. Like I like what you can do with cell data, but you got to understand it's, it's an algorithm that's giving you predicted number of guests based off of, you know, what the number of people that are using location services. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of validity to it. Um, but the big thing for me is actually gathering sales data and not gathering sales data from landlords or other brokers. Um, there's different systems in different ways in different states um, to get liquor sales like in texas you can buy the liquor sales reverse engineer the food sales right right. well in arizona i have an in with a lobbying group and i can actually get everyone's legit sales that they report and then there's other markets i figured out how to get public records and get sales tax and you get people's sales tax and then you go okay a sales tax 7.8 percent that's reverse engine. So for me, my data is some of the cell phone. I like mapping and traffic statistics. I think yep. those are great. Um, but then another big part of it is that getting that sales data. So that's like 50% of the equation. And then the other 50% of the equation is your knowledge, your experience, your gut. Um, and I, I really do think uh, go with your gut works for everyone, including I have some very, very analytical, very, uh, growth-driven corporate QSR brands yep. and times where it's like, well, I mean, we put this one through our software and our software, this one's going to do, you know, 2.4 million. Uh, the store grades as an A and, you know, we got to go for it. And then I'll go back and I'll kind of chew it up and I'll be like, well, I mean, I just went and I found all the sales on all your neighbors and there's people that do 2.6 million in another area and here they're doing 1.8. Do you really want to trust the software or do you want to trust yeah. the data? So it's, it's just overlapping them all and putting a picture together. So the sales tax data, so that's, that's something. Yeah, exactly. you doing the same thing. So the sales tax data, that's interesting. That's interesting technique. That's to learn something. Yeah. yeah you, you dig in, it's, you know, you dig in and find, and it's, it's, it's putting the work in, it's putting the time in and it's time consuming, but once you get those relationships going with like a local liquor department or, you know, uh, people in a city, uh, you know, sales tax or state sales tax, it becomes easier to get that information. Uh, and then that time, a lot of times I fact checked, you know, like when a landlord's broker is like, well, you know, cheesecake factory did blah, 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 blah. blah. And 
I can go back and be like, I mean, well, that number you gave me is a million more than what I'm looking at. <laughs> you know? Wow. And I figure out who's going to tell me the truth and who not. So I actually figure out, you know, who I like to work with on the other side too, because I found that there's a lot of brokers or in-house landlord reps that actually will be trustworthy. And I embrace those people and I really build those relationships. Yeah. And then the other one, I give them the out. I'm like, going forward, I want the truth because here's the truth. <laughs> I can't imagine what that conversation's like. I mean, that's really disingenuous. It's, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's awkward. It's awkward. For them. But it happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, but it's one of those things where it's the test the water and, you know, build the trust. And then, like I said, I give everyone a second chance, but I abide by that, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool yeah, me right. twice, shame on you. Smart. So if you're going to try and fool me twice, then, you know, anytime your name comes up on a project, I'm probably not steering tenants towards it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now that's, yeah. that's, that's phenomenal. And I appreciate the insight. I just am, where do you see this? Uh, I guess my question is that that was yesterday, right? So where, where are we going to be when this, you know, let's say tomorrow, you know, snap our fingers and this whole thing's gone. What do you think re-entry back into the market looks like? Do you think deals come back to life? Are you seeing deals that have died at least like, what have you seen out there? And where, where do you think it's going to go once this all goes away, whenever that is? So no crystal ball, but I can tell you what I'm, I'm, feeling in my gut plus what I'm seeing and what happened. Um, so I have uh, three deals that are like lease execution that uh, two of those three went to pause on signing this and both sides are actually feeling that pause is okay because both of them were very TI intensive. Yeah. Um, so you got to land and also go and do I want to put this capital out, right? Mm -hmm. So both of those are on pause. Am I going to do everything in my power if things look like they're going well to make them go forward? Yes. If things look like they're going to be a little shaky, no, let them die. It sucks, but it is what it is. But then I had one straight up, the guy canceled it and I completely understand where they're coming from because um, some people are operating from a place of fear and this is a scary time, uh, but they're based out of San Francisco and, um, you know, they're being really impacted by what's happening right now. Right. And uh, they had a, a personal loss to this as well. So um, 100%, I, I made the call to the landlord and was like, here's what's happening. This thing's done. I'm sorry. But, you know, but that being said, the other deals, everything that's at LOI, uh, I've got entertainment concepts. I've got breweries. Uh, QSRs, QSRs and the PE people are being what I call cautiously optimistic. We hear that word a lot. Yep. Um, they're all like, let's just slow play everything and see where it goes. Uh, but my, my alcohol driven establishments, which is what my restaurant was too, because my restaurant actually opened right when the last recession hit. We opened February 15th, 2008. Oh, wow. Everything entertainment and alcohol driven is shoving forward at a great clip because all of those, if we go back to the historic sales data, all of those did really well in times of crisis because at the end of the day, we're social beings, right? Yeah. And when this thing clears, everyone's going to want to be out of their house. Everyone's going to want to be having a drink, getting a bite, seeing their friends, hugs and high fives. Yeah, right. So I see that industry growing exponentially. Um, and then I see the things that are, you know, like I said, you know, health driven, health conscious. I, I'm lucky to work with three brands in that sector, mm -hmm. they're all going to shove forward 
at light speed, but yeah. everyone else that's kind of like, I'm just a food guy. Uh, yeah. They're all going to be really cautious because yeah. it's, it's hard to see, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, um, I think to our discussion earlier, that's what we spoke about. That's why it's going to be more important to have those relationships and have a one-on-one understanding with your clients for somebody who maybe doesn't have as much experience as you do um, dealing with them. I think if they can lead with that, I'm here to help you through this. You know, I understand, you know, let's make the right decision together. I think those are the ones that are going to, guys like you and I, that are going to do well, you know, I think that I'm I'm trying to be optimistic too. Yeah, we should. And, and uh, I got an email out to you, um, worked on some things with some other brokers and um, put together like a little kit that we've been using to help get rent abatement uh, for tenants. And we've been helping tenants do that. Um, You know, I I put it out there on like Facebook and Instagram, probably had over 170 operators considering I don't have that many clients. These are people out there that work with other people reach out and say, help me through this. And that's what we're here to do right now. We've got time and just be like a selfless servant and help these people navigate these difficult waters. And I'm finding that's keeping me kind of alive and kicking every day. I just had a major surgery two weeks ago when all this was going on and trying not to be, you know, down and depressed. And it's like one of the things that makes me smile every day is kind of helping these people. That's great. Another firm picked up on what we were doing and they went the the 180, they went the wrong way. They're doing the same thing, but they're trying to charge people like hourly fees, like a lawyer. Then they want like a clip on what they're saving people. And I was like, man, you just don't get it. Like that's, this is not the time. Like the time right now is to come together and to unite. Like I can't physically go and give you a hug right now because I had surgery and I'm immune compromised. So I'm hiding in my big, beautiful house with my dog. I can't even go see, you know, my friends, my family, but uh, you know, I can give out hugs in the form of help. And yeah. that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know? That's, you know what I mean? And great. You know, I'm sure you're grateful that you're in that position to do that and do that for your clients. Cause it's like, clearly it's an industry that you love. And I think this is a great, place to wrap up because that is absolutely the point here is to lead with your value and lead with your handout hand to uh to help and yeah. not be so pushy i mean I've, i'm getting the same thing i'm getting people reach out on linkedin if i have if you have any clients who need help navigating the loan process you think i'm gonna lead with that now but yeah leading with your heart essentially and this is where we're at yeah we have to brother we have to well, I appreciate you taking the time. I hope you feel better on the men soon, and we're all through this uh, sooner than later. Yeah, thanks, brother. I'm uh, three more days of antibiotics, and my arm should be back to 100. percent Oh wow! What do you, I mean? <laughs> what was the what was the surgery? Um, I broke it, and then they put hardware in there, and. Um, hospitals are supposed to be safe and sanitary but apparently there was some bacteria on the hardware oh, wow. and i kept getting infections and so they had to go in and take out all the hardware and then sure enough there was bacteria on one of the screws so live and learn man but uh, i come off antibiotics in three days and then i'm going to get myself back into some kind of workout routine because i put on 10 pounds Tune into my little uh, Instagram stories and you'll see my quarantine kitchen that I'm doing. Where I'm oh, I'm looking forward to the cooking show, man. I can't wait. 
Well, it's a pleasure to finally to meet you uh, here, and I'm glad to see you on the mend, and I look forward to uh, hopefully working with you one day. No, for sure, man. We'll keep this going. All right. Take care. Thanks again. All right, brother. Take care. Bye. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. I want to take a second here and just remind you that, like I said earlier, my goal is to help reduce the failure rate of restaurants in this country. So what I did is I went on my Instagram and I created a link to my calendar. And if you head there and you click the link in my bio and you scroll down, you'll see that there's a drop down menu there and it says 15 minute phone consultation. So if you're a restaurant owner operator and you just have a quick question, you don't know where to turn, whether it's about operations, whether it's about a startup, how to find money or what to do with this particular server, whatever the case may be, I am there for you. It's a free 15 minute phone consultation and I'm here to help. So if you need it, you know how to find me and continue to listen and support the podcast. I would love if you would uh, share, comment, review, whatever, all that fun stuff. Uh, and I just appreciate the love and support at the beginning for this. So we're going to keep cranking them out. And if you're interested in being on the show, please hit me up. Best way to get a hold of me is on Instagram, or you can always text me at 631-965-1300. Thanks so much again, guys.